think having strong committees that include a lot of outside community people is the best way to find new board members. Because once a person serves on a committee, they get to know your organization better. And most importantly, you get to know them better. Hi, everyone. Tristan McIver here at AMC MPO Solutions. On this episode of the Strategic Nonprofit, we will explore what does a five-star board look like? I have invited Linda Lysakowski to join me on the podcast. Linda is an author, speaker, and consultant. In her 30 plus years in the development field, she has managed capital campaigns, helped dozens of nonprofit organizations achieve their development goals. Welcome to the Strategic Nonprofit, Linda. So we're going to be talking, obviously, today a little bit more about board um, uh, boards and uh, how to incorporate uh, the best sort of option for, for the executive director and the board. So whose responsibility is it to find new board members? Actually, the board's responsibility, although I know many times it seems to fall to the executive director, but I think they're making a mistake if the board doesn't really get involved because it is their responsibility. And I don't know if you have time to hear a, a kind of a funny story about board recruitment, but here's where one case where everything went wrong, except one part of it probably went right. But I was, I had a client and I was at their board meeting in December. And of course, board terms ended in December and started in January. And the executive director was the one who raised the issue. She said, well, three of you, your terms are expiring. So we need three new board members for January. And I was like, well, it's December. <laughs> you know, you're waiting till now to decide that you need board members. And first of all, it shouldn't have been the executive director raising that issue. It should have been the board itself. And when she just kind of threw it out, does anybody have any ideas? And of course, nobody did. But in my view, that was the good news because when you do board recruitment that way and at spur of the moment, usually it's, well, my cousin or my somebody I work with or my next door neighbor because they can't think of anybody and they haven't done any analysis of what they're really looking for on the board. So that was kind of one of my worst horror stories with board recruitment, but it does happen that way sometimes where it's executive director who takes it upon themselves to, and sometimes it's really to the detriment because they're kind of stacking the board with people that they know are going to agree with them for everything. So it really is the board's responsibility. Okay, well, thank you. So with so with that, with the board, can you elaborate a little bit more on how they can source out a new board member? Should it be a month before the term or should they be really looking at that more ahead of time? As board, like board well, sessions? that's the absolute worst scenario, a month ahead of time. But I find in most cases, they do wait till the end of the year if their terms expire in December Somebody says in about September, I guess we should appoint a nominating committee to find new board members. And I wrote an article a number of years ago called Get Rid of Your Nominating Committee. And a couple of people said, what do you mean? We need a nominating committee. But it really should be a year-round governance committee that is looking on a year-round basis. First of all, what are the needs of this board? Do they need to grow in size? Do they need to diversify 
And when I say diversify, I don't mean just ethnic diversity. That's very important and is certainly becoming more and more important. But there's diversity of age, diversity of gender, geographic diversity. If your organization covers a regional or national or statewide um, population, you need to serve that whole population. So this governance committee should be working year round to first of all, identify what do we need on this board? What are the skills and talents that we're looking for? And are we diverse enough? And then to identify the right people, because I think engaging board members is like hiring a staff. You don't just meet somebody once and say, oh, that person seems pretty good. I think we'll get them on our board. But unfortunately, I see a lot of organizations, that's how they engage board members. Somebody passes along a name or they're looking for somebody with deep pockets or somebody that has a lot of contacts in the community. And this person doesn't know anything about the organization. You don't know anything about them. And suddenly you're in this partnership where they're a board member and they really don't understand their role and you don't understand what their skills and talents are. So it really needs to be a very thoughtful process and it takes place year round, not just in September, October, or worst of all, December. Yeah, so you mentioned diversity on the board. So would you suggest sort of a matrix type of um, process? Or, I, you know, when we talked earlier, you mentioned some, something about starting to identify from within, for example, uh, the members of uh, the possible committees in that. That's a really great point, because unfortunately, some organizations do not include community members I've talked to many organizations. I, my specialty is in fundraising in addition to board governance and strategic planning. But I talk to a lot of organizations and I say, do you have a development committee? And the answer I often get sadly is, well, yeah, we have two or three board members that said they'd be the development committee. And of course I haven't done anything because there's only two or three board members. And you really need to get community members involved because the committees are the best training ground for a good board member. If someone has served on a committee, whether it's a development committee, a marketing committee, it, it depends on what kind of committees your organization has. There are some committees that I think should be limited to board members, like your finance committee. You probably don't want outside people on that or your executive committee is certainly your officers and maybe even the governance committee is usually board members. Because once a person serves on a committee, they get to know your organization better. And most importantly, you get to know them better. Do they show up at meetings? Do they accept jobs and carry through on, on those tasks they said they were going to do? Or are they people who just kind of want their name on a committee and they don't really get very involved, they don't attend meetings. And if they're not engaged on the committee, they're certainly not gonna be engaged when they serve on your board. So I think having strong committees that include a lot of outside community people is the best way to find new board members. Yeah, that was a great, those are some great, great points. And, you know, board members should have a vested interest in the organization. As you mentioned, so how 
Can you elaborate on why this is so important? The, the old saying about time, talent, and treasure is really critical. And sometimes board members themselves and even the staff members say, well, we don't want to ask our board to give money because they give of their time and they give of their talent. But giving financially is really critical. In fact, I don't do much grant writing, but from my experience with grant funders, many of them absolutely will not even consider a grant application if you don't have 100% of your board giving. I do a lot of capital campaigns and the same thing holds true there. I've always told my clients, before we go out and ask one foundation, one business, one individual philanthropist for $1, every single member of the board has to make a contribution and they should be doing that annually. And if you have something special like a capital campaign, because foundations in particular, I know some that absolutely will not consider a grant unless the board gives. And it's not so much how much they give, it's 100% giving that's really important. And it's not just foundations anymore, it's businesses, and it's individuals. I know when I'm asked to give, I look at the organization's annual report and I look who's on their board. And if I don't see all those board members on their donor list, I won't give. So many people are becoming more sensitive to that now. And it's not just giving, it's participating too. One of my clients once held an event and it was, attended by several hundred people in the community. It was an awards dinner. And at the end of the dinner, the CEO of the organization stood up and said he wanted to thank the committees and of course, and, and then he said, I wanna thank my board for their support throughout the year. And as I read off your name, stand up. And he read off the name of, he had 21 board members. He read off those 21 names and four people stood up. And people were coming up to me afterwards and saying, well, where are the rest of the board members? <laughs> Why are they not here? Now, you're never going to get 100% board attendance at events, but board members should be willing to attend events, especially those that are really held by the community, because it does send a powerful message. Yeah, so with the committees, you can get to know your potential board members a little bit more. What about creating a stricter vetting process. How, how would that uh, benefit the, the recruitment of uh, board members? I think there's several things. First of all, it's identifying potential board members and that can come from any of your board or even from staff members. I had clients whose staff members have suggested people for the board, mm -hmm. and but they all get vetted first by this uh, governance committee. And they look at, well, we have three slots open and maybe we have seven names. So who are the best three people out of those seven that meet the criteria that we're looking for, that have the skills and talents we're looking for, that maybe add to some diversity in the form of, as we said, ethnic, gender, age, geographic diversity. And it's the governance committee who selects the top people. But then you should always meet with these people in person and interview them just as though you were interviewing a staff person to be hired and find out 
what their expectations are. What do they expect from serving on the board? And let them know what your expectations are. And so many times I think people sort of kind of soft pedal this, like they might have a job description that they hand to this potential board member and I'll hear them, because I've sat in on some of these meetings myself and I'll hear things like, well, I know it says here that you have to give a certain amount of money or you have to attend a certain amount of board meetings, but don't worry about that. We, we just want you on the board. And you're pretty much telling them that you're not going to hold them to that. And I always say, if you're not going to hold them to anything, then take it out of your job description, because there's no point in having a job description if you're not going to expect board members to live up to that expectation. What is involved in actually becoming a board member? You know, those roles and responsibilities, uh, donating to the organization, as you had mentioned earlier, should that, I mean, I think that information should be brought forward before um, the board member, the potential board member actually decides to be on the board. They, they should really know what is involved before they become a board member. You don't want just board members to take up a seat. You want someone who's actively involved and comes to meetings prepared to discuss things and vote on things. And a lot of times board members just kind of take it in stride and say, oh, well, I'll, I, I haven't had time to read all those reports. So, and if they don't have time, if when you're interviewing them, they can say, well, I don't know, this looks like a lot of time commitment. I'm not sure if I have that then maybe you can suggest to them, well, maybe you're not ready for board membership yet, but we have some committees that you might be able to serve on. There's less responsibility. You're not a fiduciary responsible person if you're sitting on a committee. So you can, you don't have to just cut the relationship. If it's somebody that you think is worth cultivating, maybe invite them to sit on a committee or a task force, maybe even a, a short-term assignment and see how that goes. And sometimes once they get involved, then they say, hey, this is really a pretty great organization. And I didn't realize you did all this great work. And then they get more involved and maybe next year they're ready to serve on the board or two years from now. Yeah, that's a really great point to get them involved, you know, slowly. Is there anything I missed that you really wanted to share with our listeners? So I think the recruitment process is essential, but then also, there's an orientation process and you don't wait till the orientation process to say, we expect you to attend meetings or we expect you to give, that should be handled in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then there's also ongoing education that boards don't come into here knowing everything. So you have to educate them about your organization, maybe do like a 10 minute mission moment at every board meeting or have some special one, two, three hour, maybe full day training sessions if there's something going on in your organization that they really need to understand better. Um, and I, I wanted to add one other thing about when we talk about board giving. In the job description, a lot of organizations will say, all board members are expected to give a minimum of $500 or $1,000 or $10,000 or whatever that organization feels is appropriate. But what I find is that a, a colleague of mine likes to say it this way, 
minimums tend to become maximums. And I don't like just giving people a blanket figure that every board member is expected to give at the same level because every board member is at a different stage in their life. You know, I like to use something like this in the job description. We expect you as a board member to make this organization one of your top two or three charitable priorities mm. because you know you're not always the top. People give to their church, their mosque, their synagogue, um, whatever. They give to their universities. They might give to the hospital locally because their life was saved there or something. So you're not going to be the only priority they have. But make it clear that if they can give only $100 a year, you're going to get probably 35 or 50 of that money. If they can give $100,000 a year, you'll get twenty-five dollars or $50,000. So I think if you word it that way, it makes it clear that every board member thinks this organization is a top priority, but they're giving it a level that's appropriate for them. Linda, you have provided so much great information for us. Thank you. It's been really wonderful having you on the podcast. If anyone wants to learn more about your work or get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, my uh, email address, and you can always email me with questions. I'm always open to answering. It's Linda at lindalizakowski.com. Of course, you have to figure out how to spell Lizakowski, but it's not really that hard. L-Y-S-A-K-O-W-S-K-I. And my website is lindalizakowski.com. And to get in touch with me, you can find me on LinkedIn by looking up Trista McIver. And you can also reach out to me on our website, amcmposolutions.com, where I'm happy to help organizations learn more about governance training, strategic planning, and bylaw reviews. Take care, everyone, and I hope you'll tune in to the next episode of the Strategic Nonprofit. If you want to take your knowledge, skills, and nonprofit organization to the next level by mastering governance and strategic planning, join AMC's NPO Academy. 